Hello and welcome. Got any spoons? I'm Anne. I'm your host. I'm not a medical doctor and I do not give medical advice. And I thought today we might talk about therapy. Um, a lot of people with chronic illness also deal with depression and or anxiety, whether it's part of your condition or it naturally occurs because chronic illness is difficult to deal with. It does not end in our very warlike mentality of being a warrior, fighting the good fight, and that type of thing. Chronic illness doesn't play by those rules. It's not in a war. It just is. And uh, so you have to work on that. And I think therapy is a good place for anybody, whether you have a mental diagnosis, um, a physical chronic diagnosis, or just a regular human being. Um, Regular human beings may not need to go as frequently, but checking in is not a bad thing. I've been in therapy for over 20 years, um, and I will tell you that in the beginning, it's a lot like blind dating. You are struggling, you have insurance or you don't, but you're looking for a therapist. Uh, These days you can get on the internet and see what their profiles suggest and their um, leanings, whether they focus on couples or uh, problem children or trauma or um, bipolar type thing. There, There are doctors who specialize in medical stress Uh, That's pretty interesting. So, um, but even so, there's good therapists out there and there are also bad therapists. And I just encourage you to remember that you might not find the perfect therapist the first go around. And what makes a perfect, perfect therapist? What makes a bad therapist? I can try to focus on the positive. A a good therapist will listen, will allow you to say what's on your mind, kind of guide the, the session, like the, today I'm really struggling with this. And then um, no judgment, no judgment. And they ask the questions to help keep you in the right processing vein that you don't, if you get stuck, if you get, this is where I'm, where I'm at, I just can't process through this. Um, if your therapist is telling you more ther- more stories about themselves or worse about other clients, then you are, um, go away, leave them. <laughs> Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Just thank you, goodbye, and find somebody else. Uh, that's not helpful. The comparison game is never helpful. And while I am very much a person who in regular life communicates by relational stories. If you have a story, I'm not trying to one-up you. Um, I share stories to say, hey, I, I have an idea of what you're, you're feeling. This is empathetic um, conversation, listening, and that type of thing. So um, that's, that's a red flag, number one, if they're talking about themselves and other clients. I personally have seen therapists that um, advertise that they are part, they are a Christian 
therapist, and that shouldn't really make a big deal, um, even if you aren't Christian, um, that you're just letting you know where they come from. And if you want to talk about your faith, if you're struggling with that portion, which chronic illness will definitely test a person's faith. Um, and the general community will often go through the idea that if you, uh, if you're struggling with your illness, it's because you don't pray enough or you haven't gotten closer close enough to God or, um, you know, giving sacrifices, giving it all to him and, and then you'll be healed. There's a phrase, name it and claim it. And so if you name your disorder, you claim it and then you're claiming it that Jesus, that Jesus has power over it if you're Christian and then therefore you won't be sick anymore. Uh, if that works for you, great. If the therapist is suggesting you're not praying enough or not close enough to God or just really claim this and give it to him and you'll be fine. Also not great. Uh, if they're using their faith as I really have a hard time sleeping and it's like, well, what, have you tried praying to go to sleep? Have you tried reading to calm your mind? Um, I think that's helpful if they let you know at the end of the session that they're praying for you because that's how they feel they can also help. That's great. Um, I just really stray away from anybody who is saying that an outside source is going to fix you if you just believe. So flag number two is if they uh, push a particular religious philosophy upon you. So I'd stay away from that. And then, uh, let's see, I think it's important that therapists are uh, reliable and that you feel safe with them. Um, Having a consistent weekly appointment is a great way to build a relationship because hopefully there's good weeks and bad weeks. Hopefully it's not all bad. Um, But to be honest, at the beginning, I was seeing a therapist three times a week and then it was twice a week and then it was once a week and things got bad and it went to twice a week. And right now I'm at once a week and this particular therapist and I have been working together for 10 years. uh, So that's wonderful. We have a great relationship, but I am in a very difficult part and an hour isn't enough time to cover everything that I really need to work on. So I've talked with my therapist and we are developing developing a plan so that I can add another therapist. The second therapist will have a very um, small niche of area that I need to work on. And uh, then we can have those two things working in tandem Um, So I can just kind of leave, honestly, body issues out of my regular therapy and then work with somebody else on my body issues. Uh, Not because of dysmorphia um, or eating disorders, just feeling very betrayed by my body because of chronic illness, uh, to be quite honest. And that's what I am, a very honest person. So don't be afraid to utilize more than one therapist. 
maybe you have a therapist that's trauma-based and really good at EMDR, uh, and then you have another uh, therapist that's more about family dynamics, because if you have a family and if you have kids, um, chronic illness is a nasty thing often that weaves its way into that, and um, they can help work through stuff. That's just, that's the basics of therapy is just helping work through stuff. Um, So that reliability, that accountability, um, that relationship where I feel I can say anything and not be judged, that takes a little bit of time to grow that trust in both ways. Now, honestly, if you're a person who sits at a therapist's office because you don't really want to be there, or you don't understand how it's going to help you, um, and the therapist is pulling information out, just drawing it out painfully, um, I don't know what tips to give you. I have always been extremely eager to talk to a therapist and to work out my issues. And I guess I would be encouraging you to know that they are there to help you and a good therapist isn't going to judge. And there are rules that they cannot talk to your family, your parents, your spouse, without your express permission. There are two caveats to that. If they feel that you are a danger to yourself or to others, they are mandatory reporters and they would need to be talking to someone to keep you safe. So know that as well <laughs> when you're in there that that those are there are certain things they have to mandatory report also if you talk about other people and if those other people are, are in a way that they might be a danger to themselves or somebody else and if you give them the information of name the full name and address you didn't mean to but that will be reported um so Finding the right therapist might also include looking at their credentials. Um, As I receive Medicare, for Medicare to pay for my therapy, I do have to have a licensed psychologist. So they have to have their PhD. Um, Having your PhD is different than an MD. The psychiatrists are the ones who can prescribe the meds. And you're not going to be doing a lot of therapy with them. They are in high demand. A lot of people need to see them. Uh, but hopefully you're able to sign a an agreement where your therapist can talk to them. So if they see different reactions or the way medicines are working, there can be that source of um, uh, person who's not like in the story. What's those words? I don't know. Words, man. <laughs> so there are licensed uh, therapists and social workers that can do therapy and they are often more reasonably uh, priced. Maybe reasonable isn't even the right word, right? Because they haven't gone through the education. They don't charge as much because they don't have as many credentials. But in the same way, they also don't have as many specialties and the ability to help certain situations. If money is an issue, there are therapists that will work on a sliding scale. They're usually uh, attached to your community by the county um, services, 
but some of them are just private practitioners. Uh, also make sure that if you're not able to use insurance, you're talking to your therapist about that and they might have a very different cash price than they do what they bill insurance. And that's true for all of medical things, FYI. Um, if you don't know about GoodRx, I would check that out when it comes to medications and cost. Uh, that has helped our family tremendously. Um, I'll see if I can put a link down in the descriptions for the GoodRx. Um, the only bad thing is with GoodRx, if you are using it to find the absolute cheapest place, your prescriptions won't all be in the same place. And so if that is the case, I think, and you're on a lot of medications, you definitely need a central source. Um, and I would encourage that to be your primary. Primary should be affiliated with a hospital. You should be talking to the hospital pharmacist, making sure they're aware of all the meds that you're on to see if there's any contra indicators, if anything reacts badly and that type of thing. So that was a little bit of a tangent, but it's important to note when we're talking about psychologists versus psychiatrists versus therapist and that type of thing. Because of COVID and the pandemic, uh, telehealth for therapy opened up. That really wasn't something that was able to be offered prior to 2020 with um, insurance-based therapist. Now, that's like a given. And so if they don't have a telehealth option, I wouldn't go to them, um, especially with chronic illness. I'm not always available to drive and get myself to appointments or therapy. Um, if you're doing EMDR, I can't encourage enough that you have a driver um, whether it be Uber or a community um, type transit type, uh, I think Medicare pays for um, like a bus to go back and forth to therapy, which is really great. Um, and EMDR will take it out of you. Therapy often takes it out of you. It sometimes um, encourages you and energizes you. You really made a breakthrough and those days are fantastic. And I would encourage you to write down those epiphanies, those breakthroughs, maybe put it on your mirror and really focus on that. Also, if you start to journal at the beginning and keep a journal so you can look back at where you've been and where you're going, Facebook is kind of like that already. It reminds me, oh yeah, 14 years ago, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, bam. Thank you for that friendly reminder, Facebook. And guess what? We have hit the 15 minute mark. So let's take a break, uh, get a drink, get your water, take your meds and come on back. Welcome back. While there are many different special specialties within therapy that I mentioned, trauma and medical uh, stress, family therapy, um, eating disorder therapy, and that type of thing. Uh, I think one of one specialty that we might miss that might be important to talk to on occasion, if not regularly, is a grief counselor. That is probably the biggest smack in the face for many of us with chronic illness. Um, there's a 
happiness typically when the diagnosis comes with chronic illness in that we've struggled for a long time. We've known there's something wrong. We've had to advocate and fight for ourselves. And if you're anything like me, you want to believe that once you have the diagnosis, that gives the medical community the hook, the meat that they can sink their teeth and claws into to really get at after what's going to help. And um, if that is the case for you, fantastic. As a person with a rare genetic disorder, that diagnosis gave me a great peace of mind and validation. And it still does. And But the problem is I don't have medical staff that know about it or know what to do about it. In fact, when I was looking to get the diagnosis, there wasn't a single geneticist in my metro area that would see me without a uh, cardiogram that was, you know, off because there's different types, 13 subtypes of Ehlers-Danlos. One of them is vascular um, and it's the most deadly. And so I guess that's the one that they feel like they can do something about and the, the rest of us be damned. And uh, yeah, that takes some getting used to. It does affect everything. It affects our lives in so many ways. It affects our bodies in so many ways. And you can ride that roller coaster of, okay, now I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to research online. I'm going to figure out, you know, what the best diet is for me, what the best exercises are for me, what the best, best, best. And then your body can still betray you. You can always be doing your best. Again, chronic illness doesn't play by those rules. And so there's grief. There's an ebb and flow of it. And whether you're grieving the life that you thought you would have or friendships or relationships, um, there's just, it's part of it. And I'm not going to try to sugarcoat it. There will be grief, grieving of that which is lost perception or otherwise in reality. So if you need to see a grief counselor, that's okay. Most of us do. I don't know that grief groups are good because typically they focus on the loss of a person. Now, yes, we can grieve the loss of ourselves, the prior to illness or that which we envisioned in the future. Um, but unless you can find a grief group that focuses on illness for the living, um, probably not going to get the right support in a group um, of grieving spouses or parents or that type of thing. Will you find um, support in groups? Yeah, definitely. Um, but maybe not the therapy that you need. If you are one who has gone to therapy and quote, graduated. Congratulations. Uh, education never stops. <laughs> if you need to go back and go to a different therapist for a different issue, that is not a failure. That's being human. We are constantly growing and changing. And if you don't, if you're a stagnant person and you're just fine the way you are and you're stubborn as all get out, I'm glad that ignorant bliss works for you. <laughs> that is not the way I roll. Uh, you'd probably want to 
bop me over the head. And uh, that's okay. That's that's fine because I'm comfortable. I am learning. I am growing. Um, and I, I'm not going to stop. And that gives me a place to go, a, place, a thing to do. I just, our world moves at lightning speed these days. And I'm not going to bash any generation, by the way, because what they're dealing with is not what we dealt with or the generations in the past. So, um, boomer, if you are a boomer, I'd like to know what you would have been doing if you, if in your pocket you had all the information, had the computer, had a more powerful computer than what sent the guys to the moon. Don't give the younger generation a hard time because they have got a lot, a lot of information, a lot of distraction, a lot of responsibilities, just a ton of things to work on through with. So there's my little tangent on generational stuff. And if you don't agree with it, I, I'm not even going to encourage you to leave them alone. I'm, I'm actually going to say, well, how about you educate yourself? At least start a conversation with young people and be that therapist that's the good listener and not tell the stories. Yes, I know young people can learn from their elders. They will, but if you never listen to them, they're not going to listen to you, which is also, yes, it does tie back to therapy in that if you're caught up because your therapist is younger than you, you might have a problem. Um, (laughs) Because I don't know. Yes, when I was in my 20s, my therapists were older than me, but uh, I've hit the 50 mark. I don't know if my therapist is older than me or not. I'm not very good with age. And that's what a good therapist, they don't, they have boundaries. They're not going to tell you about them. I don't know how old she is. I've been with her for 10 years. I know how many kids she has only because she's a woman and I saw her belly grow. <laughs> I knew there was three of them. So uh, not that she was making that an issue ever. She had her her maternity leave and she set me up with someone that could be my interim um, counselor. And that all went well. And that's another thing. We were just talking about telehealth that a good, a good phys- uh, therapist right now will be able to offer telehealth. They'll also have an 800 crisis number, somebody who's on call all the time, or at least a plan if you're needing help in the middle of the night. Um, they should be giving you those step-by-steps of what to do, where to go type of thing. One last thought as I brought up the younger generations. Um, if you're listening and you are of the younger generation, if you have pronouns that are fluid or they, them, or just the fact that you're respectful enough to introduce yourself and say my pronouns are she, her, um, I think it's important that you find a therapist who supports that as well. So many people in my generation, sadly, do not understand transitioning gender fluidity and non-binary for that matter. Uh, people in this group, more than just the alphabet, alphabet mafia, as they say, struggle a lot. And they, and you guys, they 
they need support. And I, I sure as heck would hope that you wouldn't be going to a counselor who would try to be pigeonholing you into your biological gender identity. And just because you like dresses, they're going to still call you he and him and you're Victor and never ever will you be Victoria. And uh, if you're they, them, I mean, that isn't the issue. If it is the issue that you're seeing them for, I hope that it's a supportive relationship and not a combative one. You deserve that. You deserve to explore who you are in a safe space. That's what therapy is about. And if you aren't supported, if you don't feel safe, please know that there are therapists out there who can offer a safe place and support. There is a whole community that can offer a safe place and support. I'm not going to say that they're just everywhere and easy to find, but they do exist and you're worth it. Find those people, find the people that will support you. It will be a much better journey with that type of support. So uh, thank you for letting me talk, get a little bit on my soapbox about therapy and really everybody needs to see a therapist at least a little bit. Sometimes we all go through stuff and, and finding that right person. So have a great week. Remember you are not alone and you are loved. I'll talk to you next week.